of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of uh, Phantoms and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate and discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Phantoms and Monsters and the Phantoms and Monsters 14 research team. So thanks for joining me. Now, uh, this channel is made possible by you clicking and subscribing and using the like buttons and by you sharing our programming. Uh, super chat and super thanks donations are always appreciated. You can click the dollar icon located below the chat box. The Buy Me a Coffee link is also available, so uh, thank you for your consideration. And I want to welcome all new members to the channel, as well as first-timers to the chat. If you are listening to me for the first time, please like and subscribe to the channel. Now, set your notification and bell icon so you will receive word when the new presentations live are being posted to the channel. Now, if you're in the chat and you have a question, please use all caps. And I'll try to get to each and every one after the presentation. And I'll let you know when I'm on my last account so you can start posting your questions. So tonight, we are talking about little people. And little people tales abound in the old and new worlds. Uh, every culture has a hint of folklore that involves fairies, elves, and gnomes. And for the most part, these beings are the same with only the name change. Uh, they're described as somewhat friendly creatures common in Native American myth who are seen as protectors and tricksters. However, in some cases, there may be a dark side associated with the little people, even to the point where they are said to be cannibalistic dwarves. Anyway, over the years, I've received a variety of personal reports involving these creatures. I uh, let you decide if the little people are benevolent beings or if they have an evil intent. And if you have questions, feel free to post them in the live chat and I'll do my best to answer them. So I'm going to put something up here because this first account was uh, this was this accompanied it. This is what the sketch that the witness gave me. So anyway. This is what I got. Lon, I'm an avid reader of your site and thoroughly enjoy hearing other people's experiences. Thanks for doing what you do. It helps me understand this mysterious world. Anyway, back in the summer of 2005, I had a very unusual sighting. Yet it was almost something of a blessing to witness, especially having such high hopes of such an experience. An entire group of people and I witnessed a fairy close up. Nobody knew what to say. It started with a phone call from a friend inviting me and my girlfriend at the time out to his parents' house in the country 
areas of uh, Chicora, Pennsylvania. Uh, quite frankly, this is an area where we've had a lot of activity for whatever reason. It's out in Butler County. Uh, we've accompanied, we accompanied a gathering of about seven or eight of us in total. It was a casual evening. Nothing crazy, no drugs to induce any hallucinations. We sat on his parents' back porch as the sun set behind the trees. It was a nice house set in a thick wooded area and carried on conversation amongst friends. Night came and nothing much else changed. Now, this porch was more of a deck. It was roughly 10 by 15 foot, which was a nice spread for all of us to gather around a table on. Now, to the far side of the deck, which was right across from where I was sitting, my friend's mom had a huge pile of pots and plants that rested against the railing of the deck in the house, all of which sat right under the spotlight for the deck, so our area, the deck, was very visible in the dark. Now, at this point, it was probably around 10 p.m., considering that it was almost pitch black outside. Suddenly, during one of those odd, quiet moments in the conversation, we heard a pot tink as if it were lightly bumped. Now, being out in the woods in the dark, all of us turned to see what kind of an animal was spying on us. But to our surprise, as we looked, turned to look, and mind you, I had the front row seat the whole time. We saw what looked like either an enormous moth, and I've seen big moths. This thing was more like a squirrel size, or a rather large bat shoot straight up from the pile of pots. However, this thing obviously had wings that were wrapped around its body like a tortilla. But I immediately noticed something that blew my mind, a human head with extremely long pointed ears, almost as if they were to be disguised as antenna. However, there was no human hair on this creature, so it shot straight up from the pile of pots, but what happened next totally threw us all in a spin. It reached its maximum launch height and hung suspended in midair for about half a second, then suddenly its wings burst open into a full spread right in front of the porch spotlight. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was a perfect slender human female body with wings attached along the entire side of its body from fingertips to toes and then some. Her body was solid and silhouetted against the light, but her wings resembled the skin of an earlobe, almost like a bat's wing. Now being in front of the light, I could somewhat see through her wings and saw the veins that carried blood throughout her body. Her skin, I assume, was pale green pigment, and I say assume because her entire body and wings were covered in what looked like tiny white hairs. But there was something magical seeming about her hair because it carried a definite soft green glow around her whole entity. I drew pictures to try to describe how she first appeared wrapped up in her wings and now how she opened to a full spread X figure. She was a combination of a human and butterfly with a biological twist of a bat. Now, biologically, I'd say she had the body density and weight of a good sized squirrel, about one foot in height and body proportions that seem identical to a human. The wings were oddly beautiful in design, the way they attached to her body and stretched the full wingspan, 
which she had to do by opening both her arms and legs to get the full effect. Now, here's the next part that I just that just doesn't make sense. Like I said, when we first shot, when if she first shot out of the pots, she hit a high point where she was suspended in midair for about half a second, then burst open in an instant to reveal her truly graceful form, which again she hung in midair for another half second, making overall one to one and a half seconds of hang time. But after she showed herself in this full spread form, as heavy as she seemed to be, having the seemingly biological makeup that I observed, she defied gravity and fluttered right over the top of the table, over top of the wall was about four foot above the table, and off the deck and into the woods. From point A, the pots in the porch, to point B, the woods, she probably fluttered for about seven to 10 seconds. It was dark outside, so once she left the confines of the porch, she left the radius of light that we could see from the spotlight on the porch. She was gone in an instant once she crossed that line. All of us sat silent for about 30 seconds. Jaws wide open until someone burst out. What the hell? In the sort. We all fumbled for an explanation for about five to 10 minutes before we all just decided to accept what we saw, a ferret. Not one of us thought anything else. Like I said, it for one split second while wrapped up in its wings resembled a giant moth or bat, but I could see that human head and instantly knew it was humanoid. And once she opened her body to reveal her true form, there was no mistake. It was a real life fairy, absolutely beautiful. About an hour later, my girlfriend and I left my friend's house, my friend's parents' house and headed home. The whole ride home, we couldn't stop speaking of what we saw and how it altered our perception of reality and the unknown or lost magic of this world. When I was younger, I used to spend most of my time in solitude in the forest and wild areas that people rarely tread. I would hear music coming from the streams and whispers in the wind, things that poets write of, but those things I truly heard and felt. In time, as I grew older, I became involved in a man's world and fell and, and feel that the sixth sense, if you will, had slowly faded from my being, which breaks my heart to think about, especially knowing that magic and beings of lore do still, in fact, exist. Do not ever stop believing and never turn your head away from nature. That's what that's when you stop seeing. And now this I've known this witness for a while. Uh, we still communicate, actually, and um, uh, I, I believe what he saw. So uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story, and it's an interesting uh, being. But you look at the, uh, you look at the photo. I mean, the sketch. Uh, it pretty well describes what he he said he saw. So there you go. So this next account. A young First Nations boy in Southern Ontario conservation area with was in conservation, excuse me, a First Nations boy is in a Southern Ontario conservation area with his father who's studying medicinal plants. Now, away from his father, the witness observes a little man leaning against the tree. I lived in Southern Ontario and had an encounter with a little person about 11 years ago. I grew up in a tiny town about a six minute drive down the road 
there's a conservation area that was closed 20 years ago because they told us that this was turning into a swamp, which makes trees unstable. I personally believe it's for other reasons. Now, my father's part First Nations, and he was always in that converse, converse, excuse me, conservation area studying the plants for medicine, even up to this past summer. He had told me that when I was a little boy that there were things in the forest that people wouldn't understand, which I do believe him. But I was also skeptical because I, I didn't know what to think. Well, fast forward to when I was a teenager. Now, my father and I were in the forest. And he was off studying one of his plants that he felt a real connection to. I wasn't really into it. I was more into looking for critters like snakes, frogs, etc. Well, I was walking west down the trail we had come on, and it was a good distance from where my father was. I was just walking along, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw something leaning against a tree. So I stopped and looked over. To my astonishment, there was a three to three and a half foot tall humanoid leaning on the tree with his arms crossed. It looked like a male to me. His arms were crossed, and he had his legs crossed as well, just staring at me. I stood there and got a good look at this thing. It looked like a little like a goblin, a little bit like a goblin, but not scary, just different. Its features were more exaggerated and disproportionate to its size. It had a larger nose and a large mouth with wrinkles on the forehead. Its eyes were quite large and brown in color. The creature looked like it was gray, but I always thought it looked like it was covered in its it covered its skin in some type of gray clay or mud to be more camouflaged. It looked like it was wearing a buckskin as well. It was dressed very much like a native tribesman with long butts, with a long buckskin jacket. There was also a tone of gray hair that was pulled back either in a ponytail or braid. It was also covered in what looked like that gray mud. I looked at this thing, I'd say, for 20 to 30 seconds as it leaned against a tree grinning at me. Then, as fast as the encounter happened, and this was the crazy part, the little man faded away like a spirit. In its place was a branch that was leaning against the tree. I walked back to my father and told him what I had seen. He then told me about his experience with these beings and that he'd seen them quite a few times. Um, and he said that they were connected to the plants in the ecosystem and that they will give you knowledge about the plant in return for pouches of homegrown natural tobacco. He said they were peaceful and very scared of humans as we were extremely destructive and evil. He said one individual told him that we are like an apple with a rotten core. I'm coming forward with this at this time in my I'm coming forward with this as it's time, in my opinion. We're looking in a very interesting time, or living in a very interesting time. We all need to come together and bring the truth out. Now, this next account was from a Peace Corps volunteer in Togo, West Africa. It talks about a fairy legend account that he had heard from a group of friends in a village where he was staying. I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Togo, West Africa from 2012 to 2014, working on environment and agricultural projects. I was placed in a village called Bitebe, 
which was small and maybe 1,500 people living there at the time. Their language, Basar, the village name, meant people of the forge, which was their main business until the advent of colonialism, etc., when they transitioned to farming. The village is nestled in a relatively flat area near the top of a small mountain or big hill. So if you leave town, you're mostly heading downhill towards the farmland. I had made friends with a group of guys that worked at a local health clinic. They were all in the 30s to 50s. And we had a habit of getting together at one of their small stories that they had gotten off work to chat and have a few drinks. Uh, one of these afternoons, after I had been thinking about cryptids for some reason, I decided to ask the guys if they had ever heard of Bigfoot. They hadn't, so I told them a, a little about what I knew about Bigfoot. Uh, then I asked if they had anything like that in their area. They responded, absolutely. We have fairies that live on the other side of the hill here. I'll admit I was so surprised to hear them say the word fairy that I had to get the French dictionary out to make sure they were talking about the same thing. Turns out they were using the right word, but the descriptions didn't match anything I had heard. Now, I asked them how they knew uh, they were there, and they explained that when they were teenagers, the side that uh, were teenagers, the side of the hill they were pointing toward, that's where they went with their girlfriends. And uh, that was kind of like the makeout spot. But when you go out there sometimes, they would hear high pitched voices call out their names and beckon them to come deeper into the woods. They were adamant no one would be playing that kind of joke out there. As it happened, a lot of the folks and voices apparently didn't sound human. Everyone seemed to know it was a bad idea to follow the voices deeper into the woods. This community has long traditions of uh, animistic uh, religion, so they place a lot of faith in there being malicious spirits embedded in trees, stones, etc., throughout the landscape. I asked my friends what these fairies looked like and they said they had one leg one arm one eye one ear and one curly hair on top of their heads i had never heard of such a description but googling it recently i came up with a type of fairy that pops up in scottish tradition named a fachan i imagine the scottish descent priest could have come to the community back there during the crystallization of the area and put this idea in the community's conscious are two completely dis distant uh, cultures on different continents were witnessing the same thing. In any event, as we kept talking over these fairies, they brought up the neighborhood gentleman who, if I remember rightly, was named Kwame. Now, Kwame was a nice guy I had a really hard time with verbal communication and his friends said they knew Kwame when they were growing up and that he talked perfectly normal. That is until his teenage years when he disappeared for three months. Apparently Kwame went up and vanished after going to the side of the hill we've been talking about one night and wasn't found until he popped up in the vi village 30 kilometers away three months later, at which point he had completely forgotten how to speak. He had gotten back some of his speech skills over time, but it was far from fluent. Everyone seemed to agree that the fairies were responsible for this. 
I'm not sure what to, to make of the whole thing. If the story, like so many others, had been created by parents to keep kids away from dangerous areas, there should have been some natural danger like a river or cliff over there, but there just wasn't. That section outside of town was uh, no more perilous than any other. And they didn't like the fairies. They didn't think the fairies were all around in the wilderness. So in one section, just on the one section of the hill. Now, all I can personally guarantee you from the story is that Kwame was a real person. And he really had trouble communicating. Now, uh, for a little background, that traditional ironworking and smelting in Pitcher Bay are, are interesting. Apparently, the Peace Corps had been coming to this village for many years. Uh, Togo is noted for its uh, fetish markets and the practice of voodoo. And I, um, I wonder if these fairies are part of those beliefs, which I really, ha really haven't found out yet. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was. <clears throat> okay, my next account. A woman and her grown daughter are sitting in their car when they noticed a six to five to six inch flying female fairy fluttering near them. Its facial expression was that of anger. What was this? So they write, in 2004, in Southeast Texas, my grown daughter and I were seated in the car in late summer. The heat was rather unbearable. So we let the car's AC cool the interior down before we headed home from the market. Prior to this event, neither of us believed in fairies or pixies. We read about such beings as folklore or mythical, but what was about to happen changed us forever. Here we were in the land of rattlesnakes and armadillos. We sat talking, my back was to the side window. My daughter suddenly went very still and said, Mom, look behind you. Very slowly, I turned and saw nothing. But suddenly, I saw it too. <clears throat> it flew right at our front windscreen. A human-looking creature, approximately five to six inches long. It had gossamer-like wings that spanned probably six to seven inches wide. And its wings beat rather rapidly like a hummingbird's. It was directly in front of, our it was directly in front of my face. As I suddenly saw it, it poked its tiny face at me, craning towards the window. I was in shock. Think of the last time you saw a fairy, fairy painting. You probably remember a creature that was wearing some sort of garment that was revealing its rather lengthy legs, its bust or chest. Yep, Tinkerbell's dress. But hers was nicer. This little creature's clothing was an amber and wood-colored costume. And before you ask, neither of us were under influence of drugs or alcohol. I'm saying this was a female creature due to her bust. And she was obviously very upset. Her tiny face was scrunched up in a deep frown. And although we couldn't hear her in our closed up car, she was very sincerely giving us a lecture. She was quite angry. After she did this for several seconds, she looked over at my daughter, shook her head, and turned and flew away. Mom, did you just see what I saw? My daughter asked. Yes, I did. Was all that I could say. You know, I, what else could I say? When we came out of our shock, we talked about this little creature. We still do, 17 years later. Everyone we have mentioned this thinks we lost our minds. 
And I might have thought it some kind of heat-induced delirium, if not for the fact that my daughter saw it as well. Now, after this encounter, we have both been seriously watching for another event or even someone else who might have seen them here in America. So far, no such luck. So I question, are there others here in the U.S.? I now live in West Virginia, and if they are native to this country, why doesn't anyone else seem to talk about them? And if they aren't, where do they originate from? And how might they be ended? And how might they have ended up here? It's a good question. Okay, this next account. A young girl in South Central Pennsylvania, near York, encountered a gnome that was standing just inside of her garage. Apparently, other fey beings were later discovered near the home. She writes, my family had a house with a long driveway that had a steep hill to the road. One day, my dad drove my sister and I down to the bottom of the driveway to wait for the bus, but it was running late. I really had to go to the bathroom, so I figured I'd have time to run back up to the house rather than wait to go to get to school. I made my way up, and once I got to the top of the hill, I saw the garage door was open, which was strange because I'm almost sure that we had shut it. As I got closer, I saw something standing right in front of the middle of the garage. I finally made my way up to where I could see, and standing there, I saw a gnome. It looked like a garden gnome with a tall pointy hat, beard, boots, and belt. The only thing that were diff was different from a garden gnome uh, was that the hat was blue and the gnome was a bit taller, maybe about the size of a small child. Not knowing what to do and not wanting to get any closer, I just stared at it. After a few seconds, he smiled at me and waved. I didn't believe that a gnome had any malevolent intentions, but I felt uncomfortable like he was not truly friendly. I walked back down the driveway where my dad and sister were waiting. It was the size of a small child, three to five, maybe a little shorter. Tall blue, when I say three to five, uh, the, the age of the size that child would be, had a tall blue hat, belt buckle, brown boots, and white beard. There were a few other times during that time that we lived in that house that I suspected the presence of fairies and other supernatural beings. Now, some of these things that led me to believe this happened before this experience, so while there were only a repetition, it was only a reputation to me and my siblings. It was still a reputation. It was before this experience. I have read many books on fairies along with other supernatural creatures. And I think it's fair for me to say that I know how to determine one from the next. That includes one type of fairy from another. From stories, research, reading and such, I know that gnomes are the type of fairy. I've also had other experiences with other things, such as ghosts and aliens, and there are just distinct differences between them. As I live, I feel this certain type of feeling, like a vibe or an aura, with almost anything I do, and that's how my memories are kept so well. There's a different type of feel to the fairy encounter versus an alien encounter versus a ghost encounter. Fairies are creatures that live among us, but are elusive. 
many people do not believe in fairies on the premise that they're unrealistic, but I believe that they, along with their magic, etc., are real, just simply too uncommonly seen for most people to believe in them. Now, in this next account, a woman relates her experience in a magic garden located in the Nas uh, Daniel Boone National Forest. She explains her encounters with fairies and other magical beings. Many years ago, I was dating a guy that was really into camping and hiking, as I am. We spent a lot of time camping in primitive sites, which I preferred to uh, car, which I preferred car camping. He wanted to take me to visit his dear friends that lived in Kentucky. <clears throat> they have 150 acres in the uh, Daniel Boone National Forest. The couple, I'll call them Dan and Gina, had an off-grid cabin that Dan had built. There was a cleared out space for the home site and Gina grew all her vegetables and fruit. The main property was bordered or divided by a very clear creek that flowed down from a cave further up the property. It was so clear you could safely drink from it. Now, Gina's gardens, <coughs> excuse me, were magical. I'm including the only pick I have from that time. And I, I don't have the pick. I don't think, I think she forgot to send it in with After the uh, very long drive to get there, my boyfriend and I got out. I met Dan and Gina and she gave me a tour of the gardens. Everything was lush. There were bees and butterflies and hummingbirds everywhere. And the plates just felt sacred. They were true stewards of this land. As Gina was showing me the line of crops right near a tree line, I was distracted by a huge insect flying around me on the, my right side. I kept seeing it in my peripheral view, darting toward me and then away. Now, I'm not afraid of bees, but this was persistent and seemed large. I turned to look and my mouth fell open in shock. There hovering at my shoulder was a tiny little man. He had inky black hair, pointed ears, and his clothing looked almost like it was made of deep green leaves. His wings went very fast and sounded like that of a hummingbird. I had to blink a few times because I'm sure it was, it was driving fatigue. And then he put his hands up near his ears, wiggled his fingers, and blew a raspberry at me flying off. I turned to look at Gina. I had just met her and I didn't want her to think that I was a nut. She saw my face and she giggled. Then she said in the sweetest Kentucky accent, did you see one of our fairies? They must like you. You'll get to see the fairy lights tonight and the rings tomorrow morning. Well, I was still kind of in a state of disbelief. Despite all of the weird stuff I've seen in my life, I had never seen fairies or gnomes or any other similar magical folk. And that night, we sat on the front porch, surrounded by trellises full of perfumed flowers, listening to the sounds of the forest. Now, I remember Gina tapping my arm and pointing out to the far end of the cleared yard. There were tiny lights in the grass, not like fireflies. These held a steady glow and moved up into the air, then down, then up and repeated. This went on for at least an hour. We watched in silence. It felt like we were in a magic bubble. That night, my boyfriend and I camped outside in a tent. I slept deeply and woke early before anyone else. I tiptoed outside, walking barefoot in the grass. 
I remember the feeling of the dew on my feet. And as I walked around, I saw three different circles in the grass. Perfect imprints where the grass was flattened down in a circle. And the rest of my visit included a lot of incredible experiences, including getting to know Dan and Gina and enjoying being in an off-grid paradise. We hiked up to the cave and wandered toward its deep back, where there were many petroglyphs left by tribes long time ago. Dan told us that we, uh, if we went at night, we could hear drumming and chanting in the caves, but we didn't go back. It felt like it was almost trespassing, as though hundreds of eyes were upon us. I just had such a feeling of reverence while on that land. Now, many years later, I think about them and wonder if they still live there, tending the land, protecting the magical folk. Okay, here's another one. Hi, Lon. I was wondering if you had ever had heard of a leprechaun or fairy experience in America. Well, I have written about and reported a few fairy-like encounters over the years, including a leprechaun or two. There are also legends of the Tommyknockers in mining areas worked by Irish immigrants throughout North America. Now, after I received the inquiry, I looked back through my files, including the food journals I had kept from the 1970s. I did, find, did manage to find an odd anecdote that was told to me by a friend of, of a friend in 1976 while in Philadelphia. From what I gathered, an ancestor by the name of Finn, who lived in colonial Philadelphia, had a bit of trouble keeping port wine on ham. It seemed that each morning he noticed that the level of a barrel he kept in the cellar got lower. In fact, he had gotten to the point where he thought his wife was taking a dipper full each night while he slept, though he had never known her to have a taste of the stuff. So one day, while working at the dock, he asked his friend Donald what he thought about the situation. Donald looked back at Finn and laughed. His nibs are sampling your stock. Finn had no idea what Donald was referring to. His nibs. A chiracon is stealing your spirits. A clericon, I'm sorry, that's how it's pronounced. Honestly, when I heard the story, I had no idea what a clericon was. Apparently, it's an Irish fairy which resembles the leprechaun. He described the clericon as a night form of leprechaun who goes out to drink after finishing his daily chores. The clericons are said to favor drunkenness more than not. However, unlike their cousins, they're surly. If you treat them well, they'll protect your wine cellar. However, if you mistreat them, they'll wreak havoc on your home and spoil the wine stock. Occasionally, he can be heard singing Irish folk songs in the wine cellars. The clericon is great to have around the house because he also protects your house from vandals and thieves. They are also referred to as clob hairs and his nibs. Now, according to Donald, if Finn wanted to see the clericon, leave a cup of wine on the nightstand. It can't resist an offer of drink. Donald warned, don't scare it away. There will be dire consequences if you do. So that night, Finn left a full cup of wine on his nightstand, hoping to catch a glimpse of the imp. A little bit after midnight, Finn heard a, the floorboards creaking. 
And as he slowly opened his eyes, he gazed upon a small three-foot man wearing a red hat made of plant leaves and a red wool vest. It resembled a leprechaun in all its physical characteristics. As he watched the clericon reach for the cup, a horrific scream shot from behind him. His wife had caught a glimpse of the small being and reacted instinctively. The clericon dropped the cup on the floor and dashed out of the room. Finn thought, what now? Finn tried to lure the clericon back into its good graces with uh, several offers of wine, but was never successful. It is said that Finn could never keep fresh wine again. It's always turned to vinegar as soon as it's brought into the house. And that's a cute story. Excuse me just a second, folks. Now, here's a, this is the last account. And uh, I actually just posted it this week. So if you read it on the blog, then you'll, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. Where a Scottish woman recalls her encounters with fairies and other fae folk, including a benchie, not a banshee, a benchie, which is a harbinger of death in the family. Now, I got this from my buddy Kyle and Kyle's and uh, Cam from Expanded Perspectives. <clears throat> she says, my sister and I accidentally ended up on a ferry road when walking on paths in the public park in Scotland. I was 19 at the time and she was 13. We were accompanied by her dog. After about 15 minutes walking, we got lost and she used her GPS on her phone to find we were miles away from where we had started. In the path behind us, the sunlight shimmered oddly, but no forms were distinct. I apologized aloud for having used their path and gave an offering of cool rocks and leaves I had picked up along the way. And my sister and I walked back the way we came. It took longer, more like 20 minutes, but we returned to the park after having been gone less than an hour. Now, I have never encountered that path again, though I have visited the park many times since. Fairies are flesh and blood entities with the ability to hide thoroughly and bend space-time. My supernatural experiences occasionally involve fairies. For instance, mushroom rings appearing. But it isn't common. Usually you get a sense of otherness that could be fairies, but could be other entities. Now I'm rather old now, and I have been engaged with fairy beings as long as I can remember, generally in a positive, admirable, and respectful way, which has always been returned. They have been helpful and I am grateful. My earliest memories of fairy beings are when I was still in my crib and I, in several of the lighthearted sort, used to line up along the walls, shine rather like little yellow birthday candles and sit swinging their feet and watching me curiously. They were neither old nor young, neither adults or children. I somehow knew without being told not to talk about them. It seemed to me that older and busier people could have seen them if they liked, but chose to ignore them, particularly if they were that sort of hurried person who enjoyed creating drama and conflict. Our elderly uh, Boston Bull Terrier had more sense and got on well with them. In fact, there were several elf-like beings, floor dwellers, that used to sneak tidbits to him and stroke his ears. We were fortunate enough to have brownie helpers. 
My father told me stories about them while being careful not to cause offense by addressing them directly. I tried to learn by example. All those encouraged in my beliefs by my father and his family, who were from uh, Renfrewshire in Scotland, I had my troubles because of fairy beings as well. My allowance was taken away when it was discovered I was leaving the coins for the fairies. I had several invisible playmates, and whenever my mother heard more than one voice in the playroom, she used to come and stare at me with disapproval and end the game. I was very frightened at first by the Benchy, who came to me when my family died. I do not know why, but I didn't need to be told what they were and what was happening. To my ears, their wailing sound like 118 howling dogs are on several occasions the calls of a hawk, and I lost all my fear. They still, they still come to me now. Now, the Benchy, uh, it, it's a figure from Irish folklore. It's a fairy woman who foretells the death of a uh, family member. Uh, her keening is kind of a sign that the member of the family will die that night. I've heard that expressed in, I think in Ireland, they call it something else. I don't know what it is. Uh, but, uh, you know, Benchy, and it's not even spelled like Benchy. It's spelled in the, the Scottish uh, dialect. Uh, so, uh, but according to folklore, th this Benchy is usually dressed in a gray cloak and green dress. Her eyes are red from weeping. If one were to catch a Benchy, the person would force her to tell him who will die. So, folks, that's uh, that's the end of my presentation. If you have any questions, please feel free to post them. Uh, Old Rubber Lips, thank you for your donation. Greatly appreciated. Wind Nyes as well. Thank you. And uh, Robo1776, uh, thank you as well. You said something about a goblin witness traumatized. Hmm. Maybe one day you'll explain that to me. So, folks, you got any questions, put them up here. <laughs> okay, I don't think we have any, but I'm going to keep on looking here. A lot of people in, in the chat tonight, and I thank you all for coming. Okay, can squatch. Any puckwudgy encounters or any little people aggressive or violent towards humans? Well, the puckwudgies, I, I I probably have a few. I didn't I, I didn't really dig into that. <clears throat> uh, most of the puckwudgy sightings are in the area around the uh, Bridgewater Triangle area from Massachusetts and. Uh, a lot of it's native folklore. I just didn't bother with the puckwudgies. Um, are any of the little people aggressive or violent? Well, I mean, you heard what I, I said there. They can be, I guess. Um, of course, I don't know by experience because I've never seen one or or heard one or reacted to one. So uh, who knows? I, I don't really know. This is not really a subject I'm, I'm kind of used to, but... Uh, I had a lot of people asking for me to post this, so I went digging in my in my files. 
Uh, just to rot them. Uh, Lon, have you ever heard about pale crawlers being called Bogarts? No, that's the first I've ever heard of that. Bob Reed, what state had the most little people sightings? State-wise, I don't know. I can't. I couldn't really tell you. I uh, I don't get a whole lot of them. I think what I read tonight is probably eighty percent of what I've gotten over the years. Seriously, I I just don't get many of them. I will tell you this, incidentally and curiously, tomorrow. Myself, uh, Tim Renner, and Chad Redding are going to a location just north of here in Upper York County near the Appalachian Trail where there have been sightings of little people and also cryptid canines. So we're going to be investigating that tomorrow. So maybe I'll have a story for you as time goes on. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, B Cab, do you think Bigfoot might be a big hairy fairy? I think I guess it's possible. Uh, you know, I believe, and you many of you know, I believe that Bigfoot are supernatural beings for the most part. Now, I think there are some they're natural beings, but I think around here in particular, I think they're supernatural, uh, that they can move in and out of dimensions. Uh, can fairies do that? I guess it's possible. Can you classify fairies as a cryptid? Absolutely. Uh, real truth, thank you very much for your donation. Just Toronto. In the UK, sorry, any crawler sightings in the UK, maybe they are Bogarts. I don't know. We do get crawler sightings, but I have, and I have documented some of the sightings, but I have never heard that, that name for them. Uh, Sean Murphy, Lon, have you ever seen the artwork from Richard Dad? The Broadmoor Prisoner Bay, amazing where I've never seen it. And if I have, I, I I don't recall the name, but I will look for it. Absolutely. Uh, Lydia Bell, are brownies and fairies all across Missouri, all across Missouri in just certain areas? I don't know. I I guess. <laughs> I like I told you folks, I am not really into the wee folk um it's not much of what i look into uh but uh i guess from now on i'm gonna have to uh just to ride on lawn do you have a post office box no i don't but i will um uh, uh i i think that uh i think if bernadette or thomas have my address if not send me an email at launchstrickerfansandmonsters.com and i'll send it to you uh b cab have you seen the lights while out with timothy renner i we we did see some lights the last time we were out down in cecil county we were doing a bigfoot investigation and ufo investigation and i did see some lights there but um tim tim seems to stir that stuff up uh for whatever reason i guess he's i guess he's good like that but he uh he he and, and chad both talked about it so um they did see some lights uh, hopefully, we're going to see some tomorrow. We're going to stay there at night. Uh, we're going to go late afternoon and, and stay through the evening. So uh, maybe something will shake out. Uh, Lydia Bell, Lon, is there a way to invite fairies and brownies to you? I really don't know. 
Maybe somebody in the in the chat knows, but I I just do not know. Uh, like I said, I'm not a fairy guy. Uh, you know, like I said, if I start look getting more reports and looking into it, I uh, I will I will report on it. But um, in the meantime, uh, I I just it's just not a subject that I have looked into very deeply. But uh, I will in the future. Okay, folks. Well, I want to thank each and all of you for watching and chatting. And if you donated, it's truly appreciated. Your support to what makes all this possible. So please like, subscribe, and share. And if you have a sighting or encounter report and like to be considered for the personal report show or for the blog, send to me at lawnstrickerfamsandmonsters.com. So until we meet again, I want to uh, thank you all for showing up and you have a uh, Nice, safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.